Imagine getting paid to receive push notifications on your phone. That's what the Ethereum push notification service project does. Uh, my guest for the week was the creator of the Ethereum push notification service project, Mr. Harsh Rajat. Mr. Harsh um, has been in the blockchain game since about 2011. And what caught my eye about this entire, why I decided to have him on is very simple. Web 3.0 hits differently. I've been saying this in my articles. I've said this on Twitter. What I mean by that is everything is changing in Web 3. Things that, you know, in Web 2, you didn't even notice were there or were necessary. Stuff like push notifications. They now have financial incentives. You can be paid through these in Web 3. Web 3 is a movement that's indicative of the phrase power to the people. That is what Web3 is across all aspects. I had Mr. Harsh Rajat on because the Ethereum push notification service project was one of the most funded Ethereum projects in 2020. And it was, it was so for a reason. Because this the purpose of this project is to serve as a medium of communication between the Ethereum ecosystem and the, develop, the, the decentralized um, applications that are built on the Ethereum blockchain. You know... In this day and age, in the internet, there's there's ways for these internet companies to communicate us with us, right? When your friend sends you a text message, you get that on your phone. You get a notification pulling up on your phone. But, you know, when you have certain not notifications from your liquidity pools or from NFT auctions or something like that, they get sent to you via email, but you don't really get sent. There's not one form of communication throughout the entire Ethereum ecosystem that bunches up all these notifications together and sends it to its user base. That would make Ethereum more like the next internet, right? Because we always hear that, oh, Ethereum's the next internet. Oh, everybody always jumps to these conclusions. And guess what? I'm everybody. But besides that, what I mean by that is, well, how do we, how do we justify that statement? Because to me, and this is what my criticism of the crypto industry is, and this is my criticism for everything in life, is people love to just throw shit out of their ass and really focus on things they like, right? They like to emphasize their own biases. Um, no one really looks at things in an objective, pragmatic manner. And for me, personally, to make Ethereum the next internet, right, which all the Ethereum community says, uh, me, myself, as an Ethereum, I believe that, we need a form of communication. You know, the internet has to communicate with its user base. Mr. Harsh Rajat were, uh, noticed this. I think he was working in mobile development in 2011. You will hear on the interview. But he noticed this, and he noticed this problem, and started working on it um, immediately. It's been a 10-year journey to even get to this point, which kind of goes to show, for those of you that have ideas, that have projects, it's not from here to tomorrow. It's not a day's journey. It takes a while. It takes years. So you got to start right now. Um, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. The reason I really wanted to bring it your way is because as we receive push notifications, you can now be subscribed to get paid, right? You get subscribing to certain channels might get you paid. Um, and that's another just form of financial incentives that web 3.0 offers its user base. Um, without further ado, I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. I was excited to record with Mr. Harsh and I really, really think we covered the entire project, the infrastructure and what it will do for the community. So I hope you guys enjoy and see you guys in the episode. I am very excited to have this discussion with you because um, when I was taking a look at your protocol, I think that this type of protocol is 
the exact type of protocol that helps push our community towards full adoption, uh, Web3 towards full adoption. You know, there's so many innovative uh, technologies now um, in our space. And it's just like you said in your in the white paper, it's growing so much um, day by day. And I think that the problem is for full adoption is there needs to be an easier medium, um, a, a, a form of consumption, a form of communication, like you mentioned, uh, with the user to make it easier. So if you yep. uh, please don't mind getting started, can you please introduce yourself uh, and who you are uh, before we get into the Ethereum push notification service protocol? Got it. So, hey, Sina, really, really excited and happy to be here. I'm Harsh Rajat, the founder and project lead of Ethereum Push Notification Service. I usually dabble in uh, everything tech around the company. But yeah, I'm there wherever the team requires me to be. At Ethereum Push Notification Service, EPNS for short, we are building the first uh, communication protocol at first for Ethereum and then for all the Web3 services in general. And what that will do is it will finally enable smart contract dApps or even traditional services to send notifications to user wallets in an open platform agnostic fashion. Uh, when I say open, that means uh, these notifications or our protocol uh, will be based on an open network. So that means uh, you don't even have to go to our mobile app or DAP or Chrome extension to get it. But yeah, once we are finished, uh, uh, these notifications can come to MetaMask or Trust Wallet or any other crypto wallets if they choose to integrate us. So, okay, so let, let's get this started then because uh, we want to get into the, the the protocol itself. So from the user, so you, you mentioned it's a, a platform agnostic uh, protocol. So let's yeah. let's start off with, with the service it provides. This is a, you mentioned it's a form of communication. So as the title says, it's push notifications. So can you please explain the technological infrastructure, the back end of how um, the user receives a push notification on the Ethereum network? Got it. Got it. So to understand this, we just have to, uh, uh, you know, we just have to take a second and understand how Web2 notifications work. Uh, we all, uh, we all dabble in notifications, but not many realize it. Uh, for example, this podcast, uh, it was triggered by a Google Calendar event that sent a notification to me. I clicked on it and we went over there. Uh, same is the case when you get your Amazon parcels or PayPal or Venmo payment or even FaceTime calls or WhatsApp text. And the way it works is that all these services, whether it's WhatsApp, whether it's Facebook, whether it's any game or whether it's any new service, all these services are sending notification payloads to a middleware. Uh, uh, for Apple, it's Apple Push Notification Service. And for Google, it's uh, Google Cloud Messaging. And what these services are doing is they are sending a JSON payload to this middleware. And the middleware essentially does two parts. Uh, a, it verifies that these app owners are what they say they are. And B, the, uh, this middleware verifies if the user has opted into that protocol or uh, the user has opted into that app. And if so, it lets the notification come through. That's the sending part. On the receiving part, of course, you have Apple uh, uh, ecosystem, uh, mainly comprising of Mac or iPhone or you know Google ecosystem. And they are listening to this middleware and all, this, uh, all the notifications that are now getting streamed that are shown to your uh, uh, 
uh, desktop or your home screen based on your platform rules and how you have uh, decided these notifications will come. So that's uh, the closed ecosystem and that's the notification ecosystem of Apple and Google. Now, when you come to blockchain, uh, this sort of communication layer was absent. Nobody really built it. And uh, because, you know, this is not closed, it's going to be open because I can log in and access Web3 from my MetaMask wallet as well as my Trust wallet or a wallet connect. So uh, in essence, this is an open platform. And for that, uh, no one really built this communication layer out. So that's that's what we are doing. We are essentially creating a decentralized middleware wherein services can uh, just send their notifications or smart contract can uh, trigger a notification via our smart contract or smart contract interaction. And essentially, again, form that entire structure wherein you can uh, send notifications to a single middleware. And this middleware can then be listened to uh, whoever uh, whoever wants uh, to integrate this notifications out. And of course, you know, then can show it out to the users. Okay, so there, there's, a, there's a lot to touch on there. I want to start off really quickly. Can you define for my audience what adjacent payload means just so they have a, a clear understanding? Got it. So adjacent payload is... Uh, I mean, it's uh, just a programmable format of what you want to deliver. Uh, it's just a structured format by which you can send certain uh, uh, data objects. For example, if you're sending notification, which is just pure text, uh, you can outline that in JSON payload. Okay. Or if you want to send, uh, let's say, even an encrypted transaction, you can even outline that to JSON payload. It's just a, a schema or just a file. Uh, which contains all these info so that any service that is listening to it, they can interpret that info out and display it uh, however uh, you want uh, this to be displayed. Perfect. So this Ethereum, the Ethereum push notification service, as you say, it serves as a a middleware in in a way. And it serves there to kind of be the bridge between the consumer and the Ethereum uh, blockchain in the sense of, we can integrate all kinds of dApps, all kinds of other things on top of the Ethereum blockchain to send push notifications to your wallet address, uh, the consumer's wallet address, which leads me to the next question. I think you mentioned this at the beginning. How would the consumer receive the push notification? Is it on their phone, like via email? Like how easily can they see these notifications? Got it. So that's where platform agnostic part comes in. Uh, right now, the users can basically see them uh, if they download our mobile app or if they download our Chrome extension that's going, going to come out soon or they visit our app. Uh, but yeah, the end goal is that these notifications or the protocol is uh, adopted by uh, crypto wallets uh, like Metamask or Trust or even blockchain.com. And then in essence, whatever is your entry point to Web3, uh, you can get notifications over there. Okay, and that's perfect. But I want—I also want to touch on one more thing. When you make these uh, from the back end, when you make, when you talk to these providers, uh, I'm talking about any dApps like Aave or anything, they're the ones that submit uh, the biotext or the push notifications to you guys to deliver to the consumer, correct? Correct. Okay, so uh, now moving on, there's something that's very, very interesting. And I think this is the difference between Web3 and Web2. And there's many differences, but this is one of the really, really, really cool features. And I think you know where I'm going. It's the incentives, the financial incentives for 
the consumers who participate in this. Now, it's kind of wild to think that I could be on my phone, I can get a certain notification that could lead to a financial incentive. Can you please explain how that works? Because I think that's one of the coolest features uh, out of your protocol. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> glad you asked. Uh, so yeah, when, when we were building this, of course, with Web3, uh, there's no verification that you know a service means uh, uh, something good for your protocol or bad for your protocol. You can even have bad actors in the protocol. And that's where the part of staking comes into play. Like uh, most of the protocols, uh, if they want a user to stay good, there's some incentive that is aligned to it. And over here, when I'm saying users, I'm talking about services that want to send notifications like Aave. So what we did was we devised a game theory wherein let's say Aave wants to send a notification out. Before they can do that, they need to activate themselves on the protocol. And that activation essentially involves a staking fee, uh, which can be 50 DAI or higher. And that was more so, uh, and that was more like a civil mechanism which we designed. But yeah, when we were designing it, we thought, uh, wouldn't it be cool if we can take this stake of Aave, we can deposit it in Aave protocol and, uh, you know, get uh, uh, get some uh, interest out of it. And then, you know, the next step was, uh, it would be, again, very, very super cool if the users who are opting in to receive notifications from Aave, they get a part of the interest that this channel is earning. And that's how incentivized notifications were born. So that's actually really cool. So let's let's get this right, straight. So for um, a vendor like Aave, to what they would do to as a financial incentive, um, it's the game theory is to incentivize good players within the ecosystem. A protocol like Aave, when they make a deal with you, they would have to stake at least 50 die or higher and into Aave's protocol. And the interest that uh, comes out of that. Oh, I apologize for my camera. The interest that comes out of that. Let me fix that real quick. Uh, sure. Okay. And so the interest that comes out of that is distributed to the uh, people that opt in to receive the push notifications from Ave. So how is that payload um, uh, kind of like How's the structure of the payload? Like, is it if I were to opt in earlier, would I get more money than someone who opts in later? Can you please explain how the payload's distributed? Got it. So, yeah, it's a weighted payload. Uh, and Aave doesn't have to deposit it in Aave protocol. They deposit it in our protocol. And our protocol does a heavy lifting of uh, depositing it to Aave and then distributing it to the users. Uh, but, yeah, coming to the point, again, the game theory was... Uh, uh, the game theory by which we designed uh, these things, these services that are activating themselves on our protocol, they're called channels. And what we realized was like, uh, wouldn't it be super cool if we can entice the users to subscribe to a notification of a channel before you know someone else does it. And from there, the weighted uh, uh, interest was born. So uh, the way this works is like, if you are a user zero, or user one who is uh, opting into Aave's channel, you will be getting more interest uh, ratio or a weighted interest than a user two and user 10 and user 100 and so on. So that's that's how the game theory works. Uh, in the long run, if there are like a lot of users, 
then essentially the channel is doing good work. At that point of time, these earnings become really, really low and passive. So it doesn't really matter. But uh, when the channel is growing or, you know, when it needs to attract the users, this game theory really worked well because uh, the users are then looking out for channels and trying to get into channels that are useful for them. I, I really love that. And I, I really want to actually um, touch on, on this because you just mentioned the users get into as many channels that they find beneficial uh, for them in any sort of way. Now, is on the white paper, it says, or light paper, however it's described, it says that the users can choose which ch- channels to interact with. Is there a, a hub, a headquarters uh, for this uh, Ethereum push notification service, like an app that the users can c- interact with? Yes. So users can go to app.epns.io and they can interact with and opt into all the channels that we are currently running. Uh, Think of it like a a channel discovery platform. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Perfect. And one thing I I also noticed that I really liked, and I want you, if you could explain more, was the spam score. You guys have a spam score from zero to one. And it alters uh, depending on user behavior and just where it is, the progression of the channel. Can you please explain uh, that some more and the um, incentives, like why you decided to emphasize the spam, spam score part? Got it. So because this is a decentralized network, guys, so we are not uh, like Apple or Google, wherein we can block someone by taking... Uh, uh, by taking a judgment call on our end. Uh, but at the same time, we know that bad actors will try to come and game the system. And that was uh, why we decided to keep a spam score. Uh, now, this spam score uh, is going to be algorithmic. Uh, it's not built yet. We are building this out. Uh, but yeah, the spam score essentially awards or penalizes a channel based on their behavior, based on the number of subscribers they have based on the number of users that have opted out recently. And uh, what this spam score will do is it will, after it reaches a certain level of score, it will start to uh, throttle all the notifications a channel can send out. And that's like uh, uh, the penalization uh, theory number one, wherein if a channel is doing something by mistake, they will realize that they are getting throttled and they will pivot to good behavior. And, you know, of course, uh, if they don't do, then the spam score will keep on increasing. <clears throat> and that will mean that, you know, after one point of time, they cannot send notification. And uh, to decrease the spam score, I mean, a lot of variables are uh, getting calculated and we are playing it out. But yeah, uh, time plays a very crucial role to decrease a spam score. And it goes to more and more time if the spam score is very, very high. So it's kind of like if a channel decides to play bad and doesn't want to pivot to good behavior, that channel will lose the ability to send notification for some time. So that's uh, penalization number two. And then... Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Really, I just want to touch on that part. Let's say I have a spam score of one. highest. What would the time be for it to get back to zero? Yeah, so see now, we are still discussing on that, but... uh, uh, I think around 30 days uh, should be good. So, like uh, yeah. So it's more like exponential. Like uh, if it's a spam score of one, that means you then stop spamming the users even after your score increase. So uh, we are still discussing how to do it right. Uh, 
especially because it's algorithmic. So we just want to make sure that any other channel uh, uh, just doesn't, uh, any other channel doesn't game uh, other channels spam score by basically unsubscribing a lot or by essentially uh, tweaking with the algorithm. So, yeah. Um, okay, so I I love that. I was gonna say there. Do you think there's ever there's not gonna be a any situation where the since it's algorithmic where it would make an automated mistake? It would just automate um, increase the spam score. You guys are trying to fix that, kind of like get more clarity and specific uh, analysis on each channel. Um, so one thing I want to talk about is the user's registry that's uh, governed or kept uh, looked over by the protocol. Can you please explain why? Um, because I do believe it's very important that the protocol manages the user registry at the end of the day and uh, why it does that and um, what uh, data is on chain uh, and the user's registry for, for the consumer user data. Sorry about that. Got it. Did, I mean, uh, there's no identifiable user data that is kept on chain. Uh, we went for purely, purely web three those. So we didn't want to connect users wallet address to an email as well. That's why, you know, we are delivering notifications to wallet address. Having said that, because, you know, uh, uh, it's an open platform and platform agnostic behavior. So if uh, some service want, they can essentially connect a user email to user wallet and they can send it out. But yeah, uh, coming to the on-chain data, the only on-chain data that is kept for the user is the user's public key. Uh, And that's, again, something uh, which the user can opt in to keep it on their registry or not. And what it enables is uh, encrypted uh, notifications in the future or, you know, encrypted chats in the future. Because if we have that uh, public key of the user, not only can we send plain notifications, we can even encrypt the notifications or any front end can encrypt the notifications through using that public key. And that means that only the user who has the private key of their wallet will be able to decrypt it. I have a question for you um, because I, I, I love how, you know, your protocol and every part of your protocol, you're really, really um, doing your best to keep every part as decentralized as possible to align yourself with the ethos of what Web3 is. Do you believe this is just a question I'm just thinking up right now from a tech standpoint? And honestly, do you believe five, 10 years from now, as we're scaling Ethereum, that it's we're going to be able to stay as decentralized as layer twos evolve and everything? Or do you think there's going to be a situation where we kind of have to compromise and go a little bit more centralized in certain routes? Don, I mean, that's very subjective opinion, but uh, I do feel that we will uh, move more towards decentralizations. I mean, there will be hiccups along the way. Uh, just like, you know, shares uh, or Ethereum price, it will move up and down. But in the long run, I mean, it has come a long way. Uh, same is with technology. I mean, if you look at internet, uh, I mean, uh, if you would have asked someone uh, in 1990s, do you believe that we'll be uh, uh, video calling each other or we'll be having 100 GPPS uh, as a speed? that's uh, affordable for every household. I mean, the answer would be no. So uh, it's like that. I mean, technology is, uh, they need time to develop. Uh, I think we uh, we are still in the early adopters phase, not early adopters, maybe uh, 
uh, we are in the later phases of early adopters. Uh, we know that the technology is working. We know that the technology is helping and is changing the world. So we have already come from the way that will it or won't it work. Now we are solving uh, uh, situations like scalability. And again, that will happen uh, uh, as the technology matures. Uh, so I do believe decentralization will occur. I do believe some L2s will come. They will try their theories out. Some of those will stick. Some of those will not. Uh, but yeah, in the long run, we'll keep on growing. We'll keep on decentralizing. And uh, yet yeah, that's... Uh, Again, something we built an Ethereum push notification service from the very start that we support uh, or we plan to support all the L2s, even other blockchains, but yeah, via Ethereum. I actually, I, I love that um, just because it's funny. I was thinking about this last night. There's always a competition in every part of, of society and crypto spe specifically like Bitcoin, Ethereum, which L2 is the best, you know, this, that, and the third. One thing I noticed is, you, you, we, we keep talking about uh, platform agnostic, and I just mentioned scalability. And the reason I asked that was because as we scale our Web3 in our society, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the met metaverse, the virtual world. Um, I think that there's going to be many entry points into the metaverse, whether it's the screen like we're on right now or VR, like an Oculus. And that's what I wanted to get to is, do you see Ethereum, the Ethereum push notification service evolving and, and adapting to all these new media platforms uh, for the consumer? Yes, we do. I mean, uh, uh, when I would not say when we were building it out, like uh, at the very start, that we thought that we need to be very, very flexible. But yeah, as we move forward in our journey, as we started interacting with projects, onboarding new projects, uh, and running collabs with them, uh, we realized that uh, uh, Ethereum and blockchain in general is going to be. Uh, uh, is going to be multifaceted, uh, which means that uh, you will have uh, multiple media platforms coming in. You'll have multiple platforms coming in over here, and we and you need to design a solution that can fit all. Uh, and that's that's when we came up with the concept of you know content independent payload, uh, which means that the payload content is. Uh, that the payload decides what content it is and how to interpret it. And that makes it very, very uh, powerful because you can use that payload to do anything. You can even send encrypted transaction or you can even send, uh, uh, let's say, uh, the ability to interpret this payload on an AR or VR differently. Or you can do a lot of other things. You can even send a notification for decentralized video. So, yeah. That's that's crazy. Do you think that there's going to be um, and I'm going to I just want to ask you one more question on this topic before I move on, because I do want to cover the four roles in the game theory. Um, but do you think that uh, the virtual world will play a, a massive part to the point where, let's say, like, for example, right now, I'm trying to think of if I want if I want to access Ethereum push notifications or see any of them through any decentralized app, um, it would be on my phone more so because that's what I'm on the most. Whereas in the virtual world, I'm curious as to what people would, because would they have virtual phones that would get these notifications? I'm just very curious as to uh, how it, this the services will be con delivered to the consumer in the virtual world in like 10 years. That's all. Gone. I mean, if I would uh, like to see it, I'll probably say uh, it will probably be like Sims. 
so every person in the virtual world uh, will probably see a uh, envelope hovering their head over their head and they oh, can yeah. click and interact with it so so yeah um so now i i, I want to touch on on the four roles just to to end this this interview i want my my audience to really get a clear picture of where they can fit into the ethereum push notification service so the game through the game theory there's four roles um can you please explain start off with the service provider providers uh, their incentives and what their role is within the ecosystem awesome so yeah uh essentially because uh, if you're creating a decentralized middleware you need to make sure that uh, there's a win-win for everyone and uh, uh, that's how we started addressing this problem so of course the first role when you're talking about notifications is who is sending these notifications so the answer is that the service providers usually send the notifications out to their users because they know exactly what the users want or they know their service best so for example uh, uh twitter will send you a notification if your tweet starts trending because twitter knows best on that or amazon uh, will send you a delivery notification when uh, your delivery is pending so yeah those that that first role is called service provider uh, we call them channels as well so these are services or third party developers that are going to deliver notifications to you now the second role is of course the users who want to receive these notifications and of course when we talk about users the users need to opt into these channels before these channels can send notification for the users because of course we want to avoid a spammy uh, service so yeah that's that's the second role the user essentially opts into these uh, channels and then once the user has opted in they receive notifications and of course the incentivized uh, notification we spoke about uh, they earn that as well then of course comes the third part like service providers are sending notifications out and you know we already discussed that a middleware or any communication middleware has two parts one is the sending part and the other is the receiving part so that's where the third player comes in which is the infra providers or wallet crypto wallets that will show these notifications that are sent to the user right now we are doing it through our mobile app we are doing it through our dapp and chrome extension but our end goal is to do this for all the web3 wallets and for all the web3 users and for that we need to make sure that uh, uh, these crypto wallets also have an incentive to show these notifications out to the user of course uh, you know network effect is a very good incentive but we thought that you know if you are building a open notification service whenever we we are going to charge a revenue or whenever we are going to uh, charge uh, some payment for the service which will happen through governance of token holders uh, these uh, wallet owners should also have a share based on an open governance system which is what we introduce so uh, these crypto wallets if they integrate epns protocol they can simply move a governance proposal and if that is passed they can start earning a specific amount of fees uh, as and when we uh, start to charge uh, the fee uh, which will probably be uh, in a year or so and again it depends on uh, token holders which of course leads us to the fourth player token holders the token holders will basically govern the entire protocol 
they will split uh, all the fees uh, in a fair way for all the crypto wallets that will come and integrators and they will also do core uh, governance such as removing a very very obscene channel in case it's required and that's when we realized that you know the service owners they have the incentives to send notification because of course that uh, makes uh, their service on par with the web2 world the users of course they want to receive notifications no one wants to see their loan liquidated the crypto wallets have the incentives to earn fees and token holders who will be actually governing the protocol they also need to have some incentives and that's when we introduced a reward split incentive for token holders so token holders can also decide what part of the world or what sort of rewards uh, they get to keep uh, for themselves whenever you know the governance uh, decides to activate that uh and we are thinking that will probably take a year or so for everything to become decentralized enough so that uh, uh token holders can actually fairly partake in governance but yeah all of these features have been decided and uh have been developed uh, on the token side and we are developing it on the protocol side as well it's just it's crazy what tokenomics has done to this world where uh, a system like push notifications is this more in depth and complex and can really you know pay people to receive certain notifications really quickly so when you were mentioning the wallets the wallets just referred to like if i'm a user my wallet uh being stored into the protocol and it, it's incentives to receive to show me push notifications that's the player in the game theory got it well when i was referring to users i meant you as a yeah. user or your wallet when i was referring to wallet providers i was uh, referring oh. to coinbase wallet or metamask wallet or uh, any other wallet uh, that can be your entry point to the okay, web I, I get it now so let me quick little recap so the it's the service providers um these this would be the platforms that would uh make the deal with you guys to send the users which really just is the second point uh push notifications the wallet providers like coinbase metamask are the wallets that the users can use to integrate into the ethereum push notification service and then the token holders are the probably the coolest part is they play a role into the direction of the ethereum push notification service correct okay. i have a question for you this is you know to wrap this up uh, i really enjoy this how long i'm going to have two more questions for you number one is this is a, a very in-depth protocol and you know you said on your bio says proud creator of of this service and i i kind of no i'm serious because i'm i would be proud to have something like this too you know my dream is to have a protocol i'm trying to settle into a protocol for experience and then when i'm in, you know closer to 30 i want to start my own what how long did it take you to reach this point from the boom the light bulb in your head till now like how was this journey how long did it take you and like was it hard did you have to like really create a team to get here all right so this is a multifaceted answer uh i guess i should say uh, proud and lucky um because i was lucky to be at the right place at the right time uh the journey started way back in 2010 that time i was a mobile app uh, developer and uh, a mobile game creator and at that point of time apple had launched push notifications before then we used to go to orkut or gmail or check our outlook every day or so to see emails so i saw the notifications transforming the web to world and then came 2019 later uh, later part of 2019 and i was thinking uh, uh, is there any pain point i can look to solve and that's when i realized that this communication layer which uh, i kind of studied and 
uh, I kind of knew about from uh, 2010. Uh, this hasn't been done over here. And uh, of course, there will be some pivot that will require, but, you know, uh, this seems like a good idea. Uh, then, you know, uh, it took two, three months of research to finally stand uh, understand all the nuances like how do you develop open notifications how do you make sure that encrypted notifications are also there but yeah once that was done i reached out to ethereum foundation and uh, uh, that's my first advice to everyone reach out to ethereum foundation no matter if you even feel that your idea is uh, stupid or might have really? been done before yeah really do you think that reaching out to them will help me if i have an idea like yes how? yes i mean uh, it helped us they have been uh, uh, a mentor to the project. They have supported the project, like all the other projects. Oh, cool. They told us to build and uh, uh, build this out in Eth uh, Global 2020. Uh, we built it out. Uh, Mariano Conti was one of the judge over there. He became our first, uh, one of the very first investor after six months. So yeah, that's also something that happened along the way. They were. Uh, reaching out to us, uh, saying, what do we need, Ethereum Foundation, how can we help? And we asked them uh, for intros, we asked them that we are not able to crack in investors. And these guys, they essentially uh, assisted us in doing all those things. Uh, I mean, not uh, uh, I would not say that uh, they kind of pulled any strings, but they always assisted us if we were saying that, you know, our pitch is not that great. They will try to connect us with few investors so that we can practice the pitch. Um, for that, I mean, a huge shout out to Karthik as well from Ed Global. Uh, yeah, he had to listen to our one hour long pitches at that point of time, which really sucked. I mean, it was not, not... Uh, uh, really cool to tell an investor that uh, this is our text track and let me show you how we code this. So yeah, uh, but yeah, moving forward, uh, after that, the journey just took off. Uh, we went to Gitcoin kernel. Uh, we were uh, the Gitcoin kernel Genesis batch. We were the top project over there. Uh, after that, Gitcoin grants round seven came. And over here, we saw so much community love. I mean, Ethereum community is really, really awesome. We were the top three projects uh, in Gitcoin and seven, uh, both in terms of contributions and, uh, of course, uh, community love. And right after that, we raised our seed. Uh, we have around 40 plus investors, including Balaji Srinivasan, uh, uh, Scott of Gitcoin, Anthony Sasano, DeFi Dad, uh, Ravendra of Frontier, uh, Preeti Kassiretti, um, True Ventures, Binance Lab, IOSC, BI Capital, Bixen, LD Capital, and you know uh, all uh, uh, all other equally awesome folks. And uh, what I would say is that uh, uh, the journey was not very hard for us uh, because uh, we were not hesitant to ask for help. And whenever we asked help from the community, uh, even tweeted something out, we got a lot of love. Uh, from all the Web3 leaders, as well as the community, they helped us guide that we are building something right or not. 
uh, all the other people who already had established projects, they helped us guide how to build a community, how to treat a community well, how to build a product right, how to make sure that you do product validation right. So I would say that uh, uh, the journey was not hard because every step of the way when we were stuck, all we did was we reached out to Twitter or we reached out to people whom we knew and we just asked them to help us out. And that's how we got here. So do you think that even if I like, let's say I don't have, I'm teaching myself solidity right now, but let's say I don't have any developer experience. Do you think I could still, if I have a, a, an idea and a game plan, I should still reach out? And you said Gitcoin kernel too. Does that involve, is that yes. included as well? Yes. I mean, uh, definitely reach out to Ethereum Foundation. Definitely reach out to Gitcoin kernel. Always start with a hackathon. Uh, I would recommend at Global. And actually that's also quite cool because this time in at Global, I'll be going to be one of their judges so oh, it's wow. going to be nostalgic this is going to be cool. back yeah so <laughs> as a student I, and yeah i want to be i want to i don't want to take up any more of your time i want to ask you one more question if you had to say a prediction for the theory where would the ethereum push notification service be one year from now if i was to have another conversation with you where would that conversation be what would that conversation be about where would you and your protocol be got it so one year from now I would say we would be figuring out uh, how to deploy our communication there to non-EVM chains. Uh, that's that's Ooh. what we are planning for. So. <laughs> how cool is that? And but does that mean you guys are the Ethereum push notification service? Are you, let's say 10 years from now, we're in a multi-chain society. Ethereum is the dominant one, but they're smaller L1s. Would you be willing to incorporate those L1s into your service? Yes. I mean... Uh, what what do you uh, mean by those elements? Like, let's say there were other chains, like you mentioned, that were just small, that had so certain small use cases in society, as Ethereum, you know, is, has, you know, is the best ones, the most dominant one. Would you kind of help those chains out and integrate your protocol with them as well? Yes. I mean, uh, the goal is to become the Web3 uh, communication layer, uh, but make sure that the governance always stays with Ethereum because... Uh, uh, we started from here with all the community love, so we don't want to go anywhere else, especially in governance. 100%. Yeah, yeah, I 100% understand just because I, you said earlier, the, the, I agree with you, the Ethereum community is probably the most loving and accepting community in the business world, tech world, whatever you want to define this as. Mr. Harsh, I just want to let you know I, I'm very thankful for this interview. I thought it was a fantastic interview, and I thought you gave great value and a great explanation uh, of your protocol to my audience. I'm going to apologize in advance for next week. I mark it three, four days of the week. So you're going to see my notifications on like three or four days. I'm so sorry if you get bothered by them. I have to apologize to all my guests. No worries. Thanks for having me, Sina. It was really, really great to be here. Of course, Mr. Harsh. And I will help to stay in touch. And if I have any, I'm teaching myself solidity. If I have any questions, don't mind. I, I might send you a couple of DMs. Yeah, yeah. Just, just reach out to me. Uh, I'll make sure whatever uh, I can assist you with. Thank sure you, sir. You're the man, sir. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day and be safe. Have a great day. Episode yeah. will be out next Bye week, sir. Now. Thank you, sir.